0: Hello and welcome to the PD Performance Podcast. Today's episode of the podcast is with Irish Sevens captain Lucy Mulhall. Lucy and the rest of the Irish Sevens squad are preparing for the World Cup in Cape Town later in September. We had a conversation about how their preparations have been going, how they got on in the World 7 Series this year, and how they've developed as a group over the course of the year, as well as over the eight years that Lucy has spent in the programme since she integrated in from Gaelic Games back when she was playing with Wicklow GAA. Lucy has also transitioned in representing the Irish 15-a-side squad in rugby in the Six Nations, so we touched on that. We talked about their togetherness as a group with the Irish 7 squad, their why, as in why they want to increase participation and how they're going to do it in women's rugby in this country. We talked about how they take pride in defence. We talked about how she puts herself and how the team puts themselves in the best possible position to win on match days. And we talked about their goals. She was very, very open about their goals in the World Cup and her goals for the future. So because she was so open, this chat was so enjoyable, so much information in here. It's fantastic Listen for any athlete in any sport out there. And hopefully the girls can put it together in Cape Town later this month. So we wish them best of luck and I hope you enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, please remember to like it, share it and send it. What is up guys? This podcast is kindly sponsored by Sam Portland's Sports Speed Certification. Now that is a tongue twister. Sam is rolling out the certification with the goal to help athletes to find the information around speed coaching and how to implement the practices to improve your athlete's speed over time sam is also offering all pd performance listeners a 15 percent discount on the certification just use the code pdp speed and message sam over at sam at coachsportland.co.uk or message him on his social media channels which are at coach sportland what you will get access to is all of the materials videos and guides and tools of how to make your athletes faster those are all available online you will also get access to a free live event Sam is going all over the world putting in live events and delivering presentations to a number of coaches that is included and you'll get 15% off the whole lot as well as that you'll get a one hour long coaching call with Sam four weeks after the event to follow up so that he can help you to implement the strategies with your athletes and perfect your speed coaching process so once more that is PDP Speed is your code message Sam get on board and I hope to see you all at an event season two of the pd performance podcast is kindly sponsored by output sports output sports make athlete testing and monitoring simple portable and efficient their single sensor tool enables the measurement of over 160 exercises spanning agility speed power mobility reactive strength and much more the tech is utilised by the FA, Leinster Rugby, Limerick Curling, and your very own PD Performance, to name but a few, but also gyms, clinics, and schools around the UK and Ireland, and they're now branching out into the States as well. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 5% off with the code PT5 p-e-t-e-y-5 so get onto output sports as soon as you possibly can because i am achieving great things with my sensor that i've been using so far this season i've had great buy-in with my athletes and i've been using it myself too and i gotta say it's a lot of fun so contact output sports with code pt5 to avail of your discount Lucy Hall, welcome to the PD Performance Podcast. I'm actually sorry to pull you in out of the sun today because it's such a beautiful day outside and here we are sitting down to have a conversation um, <laughs> about all things Rugby Sevens and about your own development yourself as a captain of the squad with the World Cup on the horizon. So how is preparation coming or going for the Cape Town Rugby World Cup in, it's about a month now, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just about um, four weeks now, so yeah, it's kind of creeping up on us, but um, I'm not complaining about being inside, sitting at a chair now, we've had two sessions today and um, I won't be doing much more than just relaxing for the rest of the day, I was a new PV on my loop, um, so training's going well, we're training hard um, and I guess we're kind of going through a block of physical preparation now, leading into the World Cup, we kind of, just came off the back of a tactical block, um. So yeah, the physical preparation now. Before then, it's all about precision and executing it. Then when we get there.
0: Did you have two field sessions today, or did you have pitch and gym?
1: Two field sessions. Yeah.
0: Oh, big one, a big high day, and I'm sure from listening to you that the relaxing and the switching off is the part that you find actually harder than the physical trade.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. Sometimes I do now. In fairness, um. Yeah, I, th- I think you kind of just get used to it. with sevens, everything is kind of go and, and like intensity that it's just trying to find the time to wind down and um, especially around work and stuff like that. But definitely getting there. Um, I've become a reader in the last couple of months, which I've never been able to actually sit down and, and do. So I'm, I'm really enjoying that. And yeah, I guess when training tired hard enough, you're left with no other option but to just relax and recover for the next day
0: absolutely i'm like i know it will be difficult in that heat but it does make it a little bit more enjoyable doing it in that rather than in the rain and in a way it's good prep for cave town in a, in a sense because it's similar conditions although probably will be a lot hotter down there
1: yeah totally it's great like it's great to just be outside and it's great i think Stevens has just played at its best with a dry ball so we can't complain we spend months of winter um out with a wet ball or else um, in on the indoor pitch so it's nice to just be outside and um, enjoy the sunshine and as you say kind of get that press in before tournaments um, because sometimes the, f- the first kind of feel that you get is when you're actually over there training the day before captain's run or something um, and we're doing a bit of heat training and altitude training at the moment as well so hopefully we'll be well prepped.
0: Yeah and you just touched on there that Sevens is great with a dry ball. You ladies actually do very very well with a dry ball like if you think about the legs of the World Series that you did quite well on this year as well as the Europeans. Um it was always quite good weather when you were playing so that might be something different from what we think about when we think about Irish teams of the past but you obviously like to put your skills on show and test yourselves when you go out there and play a little bit audaciously if that's a word. <laughs>
1: Yeah, definitely. I think we've worked hard to um bring our skill set up to a level where now we can call it a strength of ours. Um so I think now we look forward to spreading the ball and trying to get girls into into um space because speed we would feel it has now become one of our strengths as well. So um yeah, definitely. And I think sevens kind of traditionally is played in those hotter countries. So Now that we can actually compete in the heat with a dry ball match for skill set, then I think that's been a massive key um, when it comes to actually playing against those top opposition on the World Series.
0: How have you found your own development in your ability to vary your game in your ability to spread the ball out to the wings this year? Because I know you had a focus on your kicking game this year, and we've seen a couple of tries from Little Dinks over the top and out to the wing, as well as your passing game which you've said before, you have always been good at the draw, the draw and pass, but now you're looking to spread it a little bit wider and execute on a little bit higher level with more precision. So have you found that you have improved in that facet of your game and you're using this to your advantage when you get out there in the field?
1: Yeah, I think I'm getting there. Um, it's definitely something I've been spending a lot of time um, on with our SNC or Le Orla um, but equally then with Aiden and uh, with the girls around, just increasing my own skill set, but then my awareness as well. And I think through um, analysis and really looking at um, my decision making and honing in on that um, has been really helpful. And then I guess kind of developing my own run, running game, which is something that Aiden really challenged me on, um, it opens it up, I think, for others, because if I'm never going to be a threat, then it's very easy to just push off me and go and cover other girls. Whereas now, um, hopefully I'm trying to vary it between that I'm, I have three options of a run or pass or a kick, um, which I think that's kind of the fundamentals of rugby. And for times there, I think I've kind of knock back myself with two of them, which makes you very readable as a player. So. Um. yeah I think that's been good and then I think just kind of at defending myself like from defending on the World Series against some of the best players in the world I think you start to learn what it is that makes those best players stand out Um. so it's trying to pick bits off different players here and there and then just always trying to get better.
0: When you go out to play a sevens game now that you're trying to vary the game do you have specifics in your head as to I want to take it to the line a certain number of times. I want to have a run a certain number of times minimum, or I want to try and spread it. Obviously, it depends on the opposition, but in general, has that been something that you're focused on or do you just go out and play each game as it comes and read the scenario in front of your face and react to it?
1: Yeah, I think that's been the biggest thing for me is to be able to scan uh, process. The picture in front of me and then make a decision all in the moment um which obviously is is a lot down to communication within the team as well so you're often getting information from girls outside you but I think I've been trying to challenge myself as to how quick I can make decisions um and like when you've got fast girls like uh, Megan Burns or Lee outside you then you just um you just know that if there's space out there you kind of have that awareness but equally then it's kind of having my head head up to see whenever it opens up for me as well so I think as a team that's been um, a massive work on for us that all of us just want to be better at scanning and adapting to different pictures. And I think that's what makes us a little bit less readable maybe than what we have been historically. Um, So it means that we get to challenge defences a bit more.
0: Does that help with shouldering the load in terms of leadership and as a playmaker in that there's enough communication from outside and inside and everybody helps essentially to scan and pick the right option because in the past obviously the team may have been dependent on one or two key playmakers to make the majority of the decisions whereas now it seems like the girls aren't afraid to let their voices be heard and let it be known when there is space and when things are on.
1: Yeah totally Um, I think we're very kind of collaborative as a group um and we all know that we all have different strengths and that we need to play to those um so yeah, and there isn't like one responsibility on any one person we're constantly kind of trying to give feedback trying to see how our ball out of play talk can be as concise and, and as informative as as we can so that then we're constantly kind of helping and get that instant feedback from each other Um, because that's the thing in sevens like you literally will get like 10 seconds maybe here and there or even just two seconds so a lot of it's in play but then Sometimes the ball out of play can be very much tactical um, and then a halftime, of course, you've got that fed in from the coach as well. But yeah, definitely. I think it's I think the leadership within the group, like we now know when there's seven people on the field that like each of the seven will be leading um, like their own area as well. So and then a massive ownership on your, doing your own job as well.
0: So when people see the team sheet and they see the little C beside your name, they think you are the leader, you're in charge, you're the boss, but obviously good leaders create other leaders. And it sounds like you've been facilitating that player-led ownership for the rest of the group as well. So how have you best found to get everybody involved and and to facilitate that collaboration? Have you been initially when girls come into the group, just warm welcoming and asking them questions about what they feel is the best route to go? Or have the girls been coming in and they're coming in with confidence anyway so they're willing to do that themselves? Because of the, that would be a testament to the development programme and develop them as athletes, players and developing their confidence too. And you're in an interesting position as well because you used to coach them too. So you've you've been the whole way through.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, it was very interesting getting to see that end of things. Um, I definitely think the... Quality of players that were getting through the underage is massive. Like, and there's girls coming through who, like, you've seen the likes of Erin King, who before she even finished her leaving was playing on a world series. So that's like so impressive. But, um, I think it's definitely been something that I was conscious of and trying to get better at and trying to make sure that as a group we, um, all have the ability to lead and we all feel like our voice is heard um and we have a a team you've probably have heard it that we Mm -hmm. sign in with each time of all in um and that's massive for us i think it's kind of making sure that everyone's valued that some people it might be that their natural way of leading is through their actions or others might be more vocal or some like some people do come in and instantly they might be talkers like the life of Emily Lane is just like a natural leader she she talks all the time like and she, like she kind of commands respect through it but then equally you'll have, you'll have other girls who will take a little bit longer um but it might be through their actions or they might just need a couple of months to kind of get settled in so I think we just try to create a space that vulnerability was a big team for us for a while where like we're very open and um, people talk about their bad uh, days as well as their good days we try to understand our background so it's not just that this 18 year old girl has came in and who is she or whatever it's kind of like we want to know who you are everything about you what makes you tick what your why is um, and I think if if you kind of build that within a group then you've got trust and then with trust people will actually feel like I can voice my opinion or I can Um, I do have an opinion that matters here or I'm valued. My opinion would be valued. So it's definitely been um, massive intention um, for us as a group. And I think COVID and weirdly enough, not being part of the Olympics gave us a massive space of like months and months where we could just, really spent loads of time together and there wasn't much socialising outside of it because everything else was shut down with COVID so our training days became like the people that we see on a daily basis and we got very close um, like a family and I think it kind of gave us that time because what what I would say now was that was probably the biggest thing that we developed through those COVID years, and it was something that was is vital to why we actually are able to get results now. And um, but would you ever take your eyes off the rugby focus and the drive behind rugby training, um, and just hard work to spend enough time on that if you didn't have that space? So in a weird way, those years of not competing, um, maybe were actually exactly what we needed.
0: Yeah, through adversity, you'll have growth, obviously. And it sounds like there's been a lot of growth as a group, a lot of togetherness and a lot of connecting with each other, um, Mm. which is obviously integral to developing that trust, as you just said. And you've touched on a number of your core values there as a group. Like you've said hard work, you've said respect, trust, obviously. But the hard work, as we touched on earlier, has always come fairly naturally to you. Has that relaxing... Sitting down, having the crack with the group also came naturally to you?
1: Um, yeah, no, I think I I really enjoyed their company. Um and like like they they just kind of keep me young, I guess. They call me like the granny now it's, it's at this stage myself, Lee and Stacey. But um no, I actually just really enjoy spending time with them, um, having fun. I think it's why you play a team sport. It was always one of my favorite parts of a sport because realistically you can get kind of your competitive kick or your hard work or whatever through a lot of mediums on your own if you really need to but you can't get that kind of team um, collaboration and then the feeling that you get when you're just messing around in the dressing room after a hard training session. Or for us, we're so fortunate to travel the world together. So sitting around each other's hotel rooms and talking about God knows what or watching Love Island or doing something like that, like they're just kind of creating memories. And it's always been one of my favourite parts of sport, whether it GA or rugby.
0: It sounds like the younger girls definitely bring a lot of energy to the group. So maybe it makes those... Days when you're not feeling your best or you're going through tough times, a little bit easier, you get a little bit of rejuvenation and a little bit of a, a boost to go at the training with these girls who obviously you trust and who obviously care about you
1: yeah definitely they're full of life and full of energy um and it's been great like they yeah they definitely bring a lot of um kind of fun to the environment and i think us ourselves as well knowing that it's okay to just have fun and have the crack and no one thinks you take training any less serious if you're having a laugh with someone um, and i think that comes off the back of again trust um but then also getting to know each other off the off the field and going out and having a few drinks or whatever it may be like that's also important because it's it's just as important to show that side of yourself as it is to show what it's like when you're on the rugby pitch so yeah definitely I think we've got a good blend of like um I guess youth and then experience but then everyone I think is well able to flick between that kind of relaxed and I'm very like I'm having fun and having the crack but then equally switched on whenever it it needs to happen as well
0: the fun is integral to it that's why we all play sport obviously but something that I've talked about a lot previously is that I certainly and a lot of people I know find the enjoyment in pushing myself or pushing ourselves to be the best that we can be now that sounds a bit foreign to some people because they're like an elite environment is not meant to be at fun at all whereas you're going in and it sounds like you are looking forward to training every day because you're going to get to push yourself you're going to get to be competitive and you're going to get to grow as a group so how have you facilitated that fun in training are you quite competitive as a group in training do you drive each other on
1: yeah definitely at times we have to be dialed down um, with different levels when it comes to contact of like one two and three and we're very good at pushing those levels and pushing the boundaries and, and we'll be put into teams, especially we've kind of got teams around our training days. So when it's a fight day, we've got Unite days, we've got Excite days. But then when it's a fight day, we're put into two different teams and we're in different jerseys and it really feels like a game. And we go like as hard at each other as what you would on the World Series. Um but then you have a laugh afterwards and you have a bit of bragging rights if you win as well um but also that is where you get massive enjoyment like one day you will come out on top another day you'll go home so thick and angry at whatever decision that you made that could have won the game and training luck and um, but that's also where like a lot of us play team sports because of that or a lot of us are where we are because we're like really competitive people and we love that so yeah definitely i'd, I'd agree in, around it's definitely the enjoyment comes from performance and performing well and um, we've had tournaments where we technically came fourth let's say in Toulouse and for me that was one of my most disappointing tournaments of the season and um, so it might look good as a result but performance wise I didn't feel like we performed very very well whereas we came fifth in Malaga and I, I actually felt like we performed pretty well in that tournament so it does it's a lot more about performances than it is actually results. And I think simulating that in training as well kind of it definitely helps us.
0: That's the value in looking at things other than the scoreboard, isn't it? Because sometimes if you just focus on the scoreboard and the outcome, you can get a little bit disheartened when things don't go your way and you don't win. But you can still perform very, very well. And lose. Unfortunately, not. You can't control everything. It's not completely down to how you perform. There's going to be the bounce of a ball the odd day, especially in sevens where the bounce of a ball is the game. Like the ball bounces one way ten seconds ago. That's it. Good luck. Um, So things are hinging on moments a little bit more because of the nature of the game. Because it's so short. Because a missed tackle is typically going to end up in points against you but you have been speaking a lot around mindset around communication around things outside of the actual game how have you seen that develop in your eight nine years in the setup over time do you find you put more emphasis on that nowadays or has it always been there uh
1: no definitely I think it's I think I've definitely this year maybe paid more heed on where my mind is at, what I'm choosing to focus my energy on. Um, I think as a group as well, um, we've brought in things like goal setting, um, even just how we analyse games, how we analyse our performance, and um, so that you can actually go into a game and, I think when you're losing a lot like over the years we lost a lot and then it's very easy to just get that kind of outcome focused and we just need to win and really chase and go hard for a win whereas um, I think actually focusing on performance identifying what it is that you bring to the team but then also identifying what it is that us as a team can do to, our, to the opposition like kind of I guess we probably never looked at ourselves as being as threatening as what we can be and looking at our strengths and really identifying those helps you break that down. So then in a game, you're kind of just thinking, well, look, if I get my core skills right and if we control what we can control, then there's a bit of freedom to that. Like, you know, because you get on so well with the girls that that gives you the freedom, even if I go out here and have the worst game that I've ever had the girls are going to come over pat me in the back and say next one it's all right at least like I, I'll have your back or whatever so I think that definitely gives you a freedom and I can mentally for me it gave me a freedom that took I guess a lot of the pressure that I would have put on myself away and instead just play um knowing that if I kind of focus on what I need to focus on and then just put in maximum effort behind that then at the end of the day like you've given your all and that's all that anyone can ask from w- within the team.
0: To talk about giving your all and to talk about control, I know that as a group and as a setup, actually, as a whole, Irish Sevens, always take great pride in defence. And you guys certainly do that because you've gone on some serious runs of not conceding points. So do you find that when you do make a mistake and you turn over the ball and you're on the back foot then and teams are attacking you, But maybe on the back foot is the wrong word because you can use defence to your advantage and that's something that I'm sure you you do talk about. Do you find that that adds an element of control to it because you know and you're confident in your defence so you can go through your structures, you can communicate and you can execute well in your defence and then that will get you back in a position where you can back your skills hopefully when you get the ball back?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think we've we've spoken so much about dictating in defence, um, and using our defence actually as a form of attack nearly. So we're going to show the t- attack exactly what we want from them. Are we going to make them do something because that's what we know is playing to our strengths? Um, so there's an element of that, and then there's an element of on a seven pitch like there's just there's seven people, so you're so accountable. Do so you know that defence is a real test of character, like and. There's nearly more joy in making an inside cover tackle for someone who's missed a tackle because you're having their back as a teammate than anything else like or if someone gets a turnover at a rook like that's celebrated just as much as a try. I think it's kind of it kind of is the one thing often when you watch us defend together, for me, it's where you actually see all five of our values in one at one time working in unison and you really feel like you're a part of something really connected. Um, so what we're really trying to focus on now, I guess, is being so good at defence that we don't have to defend that long. So trying to get the ball back a little bit quicker um, because at times, yes, we're good at defence, but if you give teams, especially the likes in Australia, like five, six, seven phases on the ball, they're going to score eventually like at seven. So um. yeah, that's definitely a big focus for us is using it more as a weapon and, at the end of the day, then probably defending less in the long run if we do what we need to do.
0: Why do you think it is that as a nation, both men's and women's teams, just the setup in general, have always thought like that and always enjoyed the defensive part of the game? Because it's not something that the majority of nations on the World Series would focus on, essentially, because a lot of the time when you watch the Sevens games, teams are trying to outscore each other. Whereas when you watch Ireland, obviously we're trying to score, but it's like, try score on us. Best yeah, of luck. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah, I think it's kind of in our nature as Irish people. Um, We love a bit of hardship, but then we're also quite uh, defensive, I guess, ourselves. Um, and it's all about like protecting each other and protecting the team. And I think... It, it really gets to show your character. Like, you want to be known as a player and as a person who would have your back. Like, I think in Ireland, we often talk about that, like, someone would have your back or someone's down because they would have your back. And I think that's kind of what it is, is that it's you actually being able to express how much you care about the team through your defence. Um, which, obviously, attack, you can do the same, but it's it's more obvious, I think, um in defence, and it traditionally always has been, I think, that even let's say in 15s um, or even for us in sevens, we've never really been the, the biggest nation, the tallest, the strongest or whatever, but there's something really cool and nice when you're going toe-to-toe with a team that's bigger and stronger than you and you are actually just chopping them down and you're like able to stop them. I think there's a lot of pride in that. So we talk about a, a lot around the pride in our green walls. So like our defensive line is our green wall and we, we don't want to let anyone um, get through it
0: like you talk about big moments in games and there's nothing bigger than a a chop tackle or a turnover or a big hit, especially if there's a a weight disadvantage or a height disadvantage, as as you just touched on there. And that's momentum. Like that's how you kill momentum and regain it back. And momentum's huge in games. So like, obviously that's something that other teams don't look forward to when they're playing against you. And it really does seem like, You're peaking at the right time now because your performances over the course of the season improved progressively and now you're at a place where you you just are so close, as you just said, from going through that adversity in the past. Does it seem like things are coming together at the right time for you going into Cape Town in a little over a month?
1: I'm definitely um, confident in our preparation and our progress as a team. Um, I think we still have a lot to do around just finding our consistency, Um, especially like you're only as good as your your last game, I think, in sevens, because anything can happen. So that makes it a bit dangerous at a World Cup. But we're definitely coming into it off a block where we've got loads of competition um, throughout the summer through Rugby Europe, which was great. And loads of girls got opportunities. And to get game time, our squad is very competitive now. So even to pick um, the squad for the World Cup, like we've never had so much competition. And then even just getting this training block, we've got a, a full six-week block of training leading into the World Cup, which all year long, that's unheard of in sevens. You're never a home in the country for six weeks, um, let alone training together for six weeks. So I think what that ha- has afforded us now is to look back on the season and really identify what it is that works for us when we're going well, but then equally what it is that we can alter or tweak a little bit. Um that sometimes at the sometimes in, in the like the most important moments that we it's actually managed to let us down in games where we've been in. Um, so yeah, definitely I think I'm looking forward to the World Cup. It's it's really nice to actually um feel like we're going there to compete um in a massive tournament that only happens every four years. But at the same time, it's really trying to just take it day by day with training. Um, because we know the way the sevens is, like it's so unforgiving that it doesn't matter what we've done all season. If we don't show up at a tournament, like especially a World Cup, like it doesn't, it's kind of irrelevant what you've done the whole season leading into it. So, um, yes, it's kind of a bit about you're confident, but you're also like really focused on the work that we have to do between now and then. That's
0: a great thing about it as well, though, isn't it? Is that, yes. that you go into a competition? You're like, we have a shot here, we can win this. Like,
1: yes, totally. And like, that, that has to be the end goal. Um, which going into the last World Cup, I remember we were going in and we played New Zealand the first round, or we played England the first round, sorry. And it's like a knockout. We end up going top seed top or not. Um, and we, against all odds, for the first time, beat England. Um, and it was amazing and so good. But we didn't plan for the next step we only planned for that step because that was such a massive step for us and the next step we got new zealand in a quarter final and got absolutely hammered so i think it's learning from those and actually going into the tournament going right these like if we actually focus on these core things this process this these tactics how we play then like our end goal is is a gold medal but it kind of takes all those steps out of the equation and you just know each time you're going to play four games each game you just got to execute these certain things and then at the end of the day then you achieve your overall goal which is irrelevant nearly between now and then
0: is that how the goal setting has differed this year and this cycle in comparison to other years and other cycles that you're Um, speaking about it like you're like no girls this is what we're this is what we're planning on doing
1: yeah totally I think we didn't think that we were um good enough I guess to, to achieve goals before to set goals the goal was always just even at, at World Series, it was always just, let's try get top eight. But then we'd get top eight and be like, oh, no, we're in a quarterfinal. What happens next? And then we'd end up coming eight. So it's kind of, I guess, being bold enough to go and probably doing ourselves enough justice to go, if everything's going well, we've got the ability to do this. Um, and then breaking it backwards from there. So it's not that we just... Go in blindly to a tournament and go we want to get a gold medal and then there's nothing underneath that like that's just it it's like right we want to get a gold medal but in the next couple of weeks training this this and this has to happen and then at the tournament this has to happen so it very much breaks it back down so it's not a scary thought to have in your head now that right, we're going into a tournament to get gold Um, but also there's a lot of like preparation and um, there's a lot that sits underneath that that then gives you the confidence to really believe going into the tournament, we can achieve our goals. And um, So it's been a lot of learning and Aiden has been great. Um, when he came in, that was something he instantly said, like you girls have to be able to set goals and um, you're good enough to do it. So that's been fantastic for us.
0: It's both process and outcome goals. But when people hear you talk about medals and stuff, they're probably thinking, oh, geez, that's miles away. That's like, how can they be talking about that? But they don't realise that. What you are focused on is not that. You're focused on recovering right now after this podcast as best you can for your next session. Um, And that's how you get there. That's what you're saying, like, in terms of, like, the necessary steps to get there. That's how small you have to break it down to. And we're talking about team goals, but you also have your personal goals and a personal goal of everybody in the group. And of which you've kind of touched on there by saying that the competition is there for places and it's been so competitive. Is to get into that squad for Cape Town. And from talking to Foz prior to the Olympics, he was saying in the men's team that training went up a level in the few weeks before selection for the Olympics. So is the same thing happened with G. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, I think both 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 ways. I think selection helps that, but then equally by setting goals, by knowing exactly what's coming up, then you're one one thing you're trying to do is basically be the best that you can be for the team. So I think we we always speak about if you're invaluable to the team, then that that looks after selection. So selection again is kind of like an outcome and that we try not to focus on. We try not to want to achieve you of course want to get there, but you know yourself that if you're actually an invaluable teammate, if you're doing enough on the pitch to be of high value to your team, then that's what's going to help us get there. So then it's great that now we have girls who are going all in on that. So then the overall effect that it has on the team is that well the team's going to be better even if you're not going to be on the plane going over to Cape Town you've helped the team get better which hopefully then in the long run means a gold medal means a lot to you even when you're sitting at home and you haven't actually been out there on the pitch because to us that's, that's what how we're trying to bring the team of all into life um, because it's really difficult like and I'm under no illusions to how fortunate I've been um, around selection over the years but I often think it's like the girls who are at home who never get to go, but still every day push us so hard and train and turn up with like such dedication, commitment each day. Like they're the ones that actually make it all happen. And so it's trying to make sure that these couple of weeks leading into Cape Town, yes, it's technically about selection, but it's actually more about how we as a squad and we as a seventh team can actually go and, and achieve our goals overall.
0: And that comes back to the togetherness and the feeling of group kind of achievement and involvement in, in the achievement of getting there and doing your best. And they say iron sharp, sharpens iron. So I'm sure that even the girls that don't get selected will be still going hammering tongs in training, like trying to get you get or get the girls that are selected into the best position to hit the ground running when they get over there for the first game. And you're up first, aren't you? You're, you're first... On the on the um what you call it, the schedule for Cape Town?
1: I'm not a hundred percent sure now. I know who we're playing first and <laughs> I don't know the time, but I don't know if we're the first game or not.
0: That might be new. Then that might be new information for you. But, um, <laughs> I was just kind of thinking back to the famous story of the Lions. I think it was when Paul Wallace got selected um, to start a prop, and then Jason Leonard took it as. I'm going to get him in the best possible condition and set him up to have the best game of his life, even though Wallace was after taking his position, like I said. Well, not taking it, but he got selected over him for that position. And that's the attitude you've got to have. And I've heard about in your training sessions how the girls will try to emulate other teams on the circuit or other teams that you may play against. How does that benefit you? And have you found and added new things to your game from doing that? Because obviously, if you're playing in a way that's not a way that you naturally play in, sometimes things might just work and click, and you'd be like, wow, we, we need to try that ourselves.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's firstly, it's opened our eyes a lot um, as to we get really good feedback from the girls around, well, look, if, if I was actually playing against ye, I would target this because I've seen this weakness, or um, you're quite readable on this. So that's been really good feedback for us. Um, but then equally, yes, we, we can see what kind of plays they have that would actually break us. And then we go, right, well, if we could actually use that play, then let's see if if it plays to our strength. then let's see if that'll work. Um, so that's definitely been so beneficial. And then even just, I think, simulating the actual game itself so that when you're out in the field, like we do a lot of visualisation work with Orla Kern as well to try to prepare us for it. But when you stand out on a pitch for the first time and look up at the opposition the reality of the fact that you're in such a big game, if you haven't prepared for it, it can just hit you. So actually going through that in training, and um, even things like ever since that Seville final, we often practice a Scrum as the last play. Um, those sort of scenarios, I think they help because then it's it's not pressure um, in that moment. It's kind of like, oh, we practice that in training. We know exactly what it is that we're, we're looking to do. which just builds confidence again. So I think that's definitely been a massive help this season.
0: Has that helped you become more com- comfortable in those big moments? And has that been something that you were missing in the past? Do you think?
1: Um, I think it definitely it definitely does help me. I think it's it's helped me recognise where I needed to grow myself around, like not letting pressure get to me, and just being very calm in my own decision making. Um, and Aidan's been really good around. He was a ten and fifteen, so he's he's been a really good sounding board around, like what the best tactical decisions at certain times. I think the biggest thing for me is now is probably um the help that I get from within the whole squad. Like often I'll look at Lee and Lee will go, look, let's run this or um I'll have a chat with Emily or a we will go, look, this, for example, Scrum's not going too well, let's go to a line out, whatever it is. So I think it's kind of that that collaboration, but then equally when you practice it in training, you've probably made the wrong decision in training you've learned you've got to redo in training, which you don't get out in games, obviously. Um, and then you've been able to kind of solve the puzzle there that then you're going into a, a game knowing what tools you have in your back pocket and kind of knowing what scenarios um, that you should use each tool first. So I think that's been, yeah, it's definitely been very, very helpful for me as a decision-making, as well as for the rest of our nines and other tens as well.
0: That's something that's been missing for quite some time in training from a number of different sports GAA and rugby in particular is that ability to make mistakes in training and a willingness to do so because we all we, we both know the drills where you're like drop ball. well back in the day when they were doing the negative reinforcement no drop balls or you're doing push-ups etc if you make a mistake yeah. but that just that just makes you play within yourself you're not going and seeking any improvement so how important has it been to be okay to push it, try new things and make mistakes in training for you and for the group?
1: Yeah, massive. I think we had to flip our whole mindset. Again, we weren't doing particularly well pre-COVID um, with results. So then it was very easy to focus on what we were doing wrong. Um, and instead we flipped it to right-water strengths and like, yes, the ball dropped there, but was the decision right? And if we execute that then, have we have we done enough to score a try or get in behind the game line? And um, so that definitely has helped because I think then naturally the mistakes dwindle because you're not actually focusing on not making them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me myself as well, just to be comfortable pushing myself outside my comfort zone and messing up and training and doing something really stupid and silly because I'm actually just trying something like I if I'm going to bring kicking and running into my game then I'm going to need to try that and I'm going to, need to fail and fall on my arse and then kind of go oh that was actually really wrong and get that feedback um so I think we've become really good at that as a group and you get so much good feedback from the girls now like each other as a group we're so comfortable with each other that now we can like we can properly feedback and it might seem like criticism to someone outside, but all it is is that all of us are really hungry for feedback um, and now we're getting it from each other, which makes it so like, I don't know, valuable. And it's not a scary thing anymore. It's like, how can I make that better? Um, which is really good as a group. And then it definitely helps with that trust element then when you go out on the pitch.
0: Have you developed and got better at giving that constructive criticism to each other over time and bringing yourselves back to your values and that? Heart acronym that you talk about and maybe it'd be good to give the, the listeners an example of what that heart acronym stands for and what you stand for in your values as a group.
1: Yeah so um, heart kind of nicely breaks down as uh, hard work, excellence, accountability, respect and team and um, so I think in particular like something like feedback that really challenges your values because on one degree you've got excellence and accountability so like you can feedback and say that's not good enough and um, but equally you've got respect and team um, and like there's constantly this balance of like in the moment you might just need to say you might not be able to get all the words out there but you might just need to say you need to give that earlier but that's still okay to say because it's respectful and you're part of a team um, and it's not being airing fairy we're not going over and saying excuse me do you mind if I just say this like it's the reality is in sevens, you don't have that time. But we also trust each other to know that if someone turned around to me and shouted at me and said, Lucy, that just wasn't good enough, I'd go, they're obviously trying to make me make me a better player, so that's fine. And I'll go over and chat to them afterwards and be like, what What was it that wasn't good enough? Um, so I think it's definitely a balance, and it's 100% been something we've had to focus on um, because you never get it right all the time. Um, and especially we're all such different people that we're just yeah. trying to learn how... Different people like to get feedback and some people don't mind if you like they want you to be really direct and others you might just need to um, let it pass in that moment but then have a conversation afterwards and it's just trying to, to learn how we work and then the reality is when you're out in a match then everyone obviously knows that like it's all about just what's right for the team so I think the trust is kind of the key to anything to do with like feedback and your communication with each other um. So when we, when we have values like that to stand by, it's very good because you can constantly refer to that and say, you know, this is just the accountability end of things and the things and excellence. So we need to be able to actually deal with that.
0: It sounds like it's made your job a lot easier as a leader, but how have you typically dealt with the scenarios when you have got the, the relation or the how of that feedback wrong, how you've delivered it or delivery of the feedback because obviously as you said everybody's different like they're going to want it in different ways do you vary how you give that feedback to make it more digestible for that individual
1: um yeah I think it's I think you just take a take a deep breath and um I think I've always kind of been aware of like you never you're never going to get the best out of someone by giving out to them so even if they've done something that's really silly there's like if I go and shout and roar at them that's never gonna make them better and um, maybe I learned it through my own experience I'm not sure but I just kind of I guess you kind of have to empathize and know exactly what that person needs in the moment And sometimes people don't need anything if it's something as small like a small says me but if something like a missed tackle where they just dropped off the tackle um, like in that moment they don't need to be told that they, like why did you miss that mm. tackle or like oh now they've scored a try like it's all your fault like that's not helpful to anyone at all because at the end of the day we're a team and if the system works well there should be cover for every missed tackle anyway so um, I think it's kind of known picking your moments and so long as it's very constructive um, and it's actually solution oriented which is something that we really do drive is that you're going to someone with a solution not the problem then um, now, it's, now it's kind of like everyone has that trust and someone's coming to you just want to make you a better player. So it, it definitely, I think, has been an, a massive area for, of growth for us the last year.
0: Lucy's obviously exaggerating there as well. Nobody in the, t- in the team is saying, well, look what should be that tackle now. They score, is all your fault. Um, she's <laughs> trying, she's exaggerating to get the point across. Um, but, obviously that is something that you develop over time and that is something that you've got to focus on as a group if you're going to get better you want to be solutions focused because we all know and have worked with and played with the oxygen thieves of the world who just want to point out problems but not offer solutions and in some ways if they're pointing out problems that may be somewhat beneficial to the team in that you can point out problems and then other people can offer the solutions but at the same time if your problem to solution ratio is off and you're not offering as many solutions as you are identifying problems you probably need to zip it a little bit because you're probably adding a sum negative to the group and it sounds like that's not happening with you guys it sounds like everybody's pretty constructive but i would say that in your leadership role and in your captaincy role you don't just pick these things up out of thin air for the younger girls coming through. So do you take a little bit of a mentorship role sometimes with them? Because it does seem like you do speak to them on a level, like you're all on a level playing field. And that's why there is that trust and togetherness as a group. But do you have to throw the shoulder around some of them sometimes?
1: Um, I think it's just making sure, I think for me, I want to be friends and I want to be teammates with my, with my teammates first like it, i'm not any better than them um and i think because of the fact that especially because the underage system's so good that now we've got girls coming in who've actually watched us play in the world series so they actually have seen us play and to some degrees we may well be role models to them then it's really important to relate to them and um, so i think being open enough and vulnerable enough to actually say you know that thought that's going on in your head that you're not good enough all of us have that like um, it's about how you manage it and it's kind of just making sure that all the mistakes that I've made because I've made every mistake in the book since starting like we were very fresh on the World Series all it is is trying to make sure that those girls don't have to go through the exact same as what we have like myself, Stacy, and Lee just um, try, try and make sure that like those days when we were coming 11 12 on a series that they don't happen again and like you get to pick up things that you know work over the years but equally the younger girls come in with this like fresh view and they've brought things that we we've had to steal from them and go, Yeah, that's actually the right way to do things. Cause over years and years you often kind of become very focused and you become habitual. Um, where it's always good to be challenged. And I think so long as everyone knows that their opinion matters, but then equally so long as we can all relate to each other and understand where we're coming from and our intentions, then I think I think as like as a group, then that that means that everyone feels like they're valued. So then, there's no need to like speak above anyone. There's no need to be a, a level above the girls. Like I always say, because it works in my favor, that age doesn't come into it. Um, so I, we try ban the age conversations because I get far too much gearing. But uh, like definitely, I think a girl who has one or two caps, or a girl who hasn't been capped yet, um, has just as much value as the like whether it be the captain or whether it be like Amy Lee is a great example I top try scorer and on the dream team she doesn't act any better than anyone else in there Um, like she still values everyone else's opinion and she'll still take feedback from everyone that's in there so
0: it sounds like you have a particular focus or maybe yourself Amy Lee and and uh, Stacey have a particular focus on leaving that jersey in a better place than where you picked it up and how important for that and as you said the girls that are coming in have seen you playing on the world series how important was it to qualify for the world cup this summer like so that younger girls can see you so that they can believe that's possible for them will hopefully take up rugby maybe go into the development squad and then you can see them coming through is that a conscious thing in your mind all the time
1: massive um it's probably the biggest goal of mine and of our group is that we want to grow sevens in Ireland and um, we want to make a home for women's rugby um up in Abbottstown where every like every girl can aspire to be a part of that hopefully um will be, be like full-time athletes one day that can be dual Olympians and World Cup um medalists like that's kind of that's our end vision and we want to make sure again the mistakes or the hard times that we've had to come through that younger girls don't have to go through that that they can actually see this pathway, see um, see us play on the World Cup, which like World Cups change lives, like the the amount of people that watch them, like you can have such an impact. Um I never would have got picked up into rugby only for I watched the girls win the Grand Slam and like that's just a free thing that's changed my entire life. So it just shows how big sporting moments like a World Cup. You have a massive knock on effect. So um, never is there a, a greater opportunity this year than um, a World Cup to go and actually get people's eyes on the screen at Sevens and we back the sport enough and back ourselves enough that if, if we can just get enough people watching then hopefully we can create a lot of um, excitement around it and get younger girls playing and um, for me it's been like the best thing to have for me so um, I'd love if like younger girls can have the same experience as what I've had but even better again
0: so aside from seeing you girls doing really, really well, what are the other necessary steps to grow sevens as a game in the country?
1: Um, definitely just getting girls actually playing it um from younger ages, whether it be in schools um or out in clubs, I think that's massive. For us, it's about growing rugby as well. Like um mm-hmm. sevens, sevens is fantastic. Like I'm in love with the sport. Um, but what's most important for me at the moment I think especially um in Ireland is just growing rugby and growing women's rugby we get enough girls growing women's playing women's rugby we'll do really well in both 7s and 15s um and I think it's I think it's just getting as many people playing as possible but equally for us to be role models both on and off the pitch um and really spread the good news of like the the amazing sport that it is the impact that it has on your life um and I think that's like it's not just exclusive to rugby, but there's something special about the core values of rugby and and um, what it does for you as a person as well as a player. um so yeah, definitely just to see in a couple of years' time that there's been like an upward trend in the amount of girls that are playing rugby and that we might have played some small parts in this that would be like massive for us.
0: and for that reason and the reason that you would see, many of the girls transitioning over and playing 15s like you had never played 15s until a year ago when you started playing with Wicklow and then you're Irish like you know so like that's why I do not understand the argument of the against Sevens Brigade because they think it's taking away from the 15s program both programs add to each other and like we're talking about digesting things, viewing things. Like a Sevens game is so easy to watch and so enjoyable to watch that obviously it's going to get people energised and interested in the sport, and hopefully transition over into the sport. Like yourself, like you transitioned from Gaelic games, Gaelic football into sevens and then finally into the 15s game. So if you can't see that transition working working for all parties, then I'm sorry, I, I respectfully disagree with you. <laughs> so what would you say to the naysayers like that? Like, what is your argument? Or have I kind of summed it up, not so eloquently, but summed it up as best <laughs> I could?
1: Yeah, like for me, it's just like rugby have core skill set to it. And like, once you have those core skill set, which you get like many many reps in a sevens game or seven training session then that can only um improve your 15 equally going into 15s this year has helped to massively around my sevens game and i think the two teams complement each other like really well um and like we've seen in other nations how the likes of in australia usa new zealand often the actual inlet into the sport of rugby is through sevens and then they'll equally go and play 15th afterwards. So why not um, have an opportunity to play in a green jersey in two different ones? Um, like that's a, ma- a massive honour for me um, and a massive honour for a lot of the girls. And um, I think I think it's only been an asset and I think both of our squads as well, like we 100% support each other and we 100% can see the value in both. And so what it is, what, what it's about for us as a sevens group, but equally what it's about for the 15s girls is the exact same vision of just um, improving, growing um, women's rugby in Ireland. And then, yeah, like I just think why not have two working for the one goal than just one um, or two working in, in different directions.
0: I threw you under the bus there as well, so I apologise. But <laughs> okay. uh, the two sports do complement each other so well in ways because like sevens magnifies your skills and magnifies how accurate you are with your skills because you've got to be accurate like mm. if your pass is behind your shoulder you're going to slow up play and there's not going to be a line break and then equally in 15s it it magnifies your ability to create and identify space because you have less time on the ball um, mm. because there's 15 players on the field like there's double the amount so there's less space so like by playing both sports you're going to develop in both sports at different things so that's why young girls and young boys should be playing probably both sports if they can amongst other sports like you've spoken about like your youth playing GAA and how that complemented your game when you came into sevens and 15s like so can you see yourself go back to playing Gaelic games and can you see some of your skills from rugby now transferring back over to the GAA when you do get back into uh, playing Gaelic games in the (laughs) future the long future let's say
1: (laughs) yeah I definitely will have to tone back the (laughs) contact um but I was actually very fortunate again um through COVID with an off season last season um probably probably just timed perfectly for me where um I'm I still am like massively passionate about GA in particular Tini Healy. and um, the girls cheer, about, cheer me about how much I talk about them but my sister plays, my cousin plays, my best friends play um, and I still love the club so much and support them that it, it so happens... Um, that they actually had qualified for a Leinster final, which is something that we'd been trying to do as a club since long before I left to play rugby. Um, and the Leinster final happened to be, to be in our off season last year, and fortunately, Anthony gave me to go ahead to to out for Tinley and to train for a few weeks beforehand. And like, it still, again, like as a sporting memory for me, like that's like so important and so valuable to me like I really really enjoyed it and you do think like every time I go down to the picture every time I watch them play like as much as you're proud of them and as much as you love watching from an entertainment point of view and supporting like I, I miss it massively and um, you miss the girls that you grow up playing with but equally they support me so much like I get messages all the time they're always watching the games um, and I just feel like in a weird way that I get to go and kind of represent them when I'm out playing rugby. So, so yeah, definitely one day I will go back and play with, with Tinihili um, and hopefully get the dog out with my sister and um, my cousins and just kind of get to enjoy that. Um, and hopefully won't be too crossed at that stage. So then I can, I can actually bring back some of my, um some of my rugby skills maybe and see how they transfer back over.
0: Absolutely. And it, it will be for enjoyment. But obviously, if you go through all that you've achieved so far, you've captained Wicklow, you've an All Ireland, you've captained the Irish Sevens, you haven't yet won on the World Series, you're going to a World Cup.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you have left in terms of personal ambitions to achieve before maybe you finish playing sport in general or before you finish playing rugby?
1: um being 100 percent transparent and um, being an olympian was something that i've wanted ever since i joined the program and um, i've missed out in two cycles and god willing and my body um looks after me and is good to me then hopefully and um, we can do that in in paris and that would be massive for me i think i think i want to do it for our team for our program i think that's the biggest thing that would help our overall vision um I'd love to do with the girls that I started out with like Lee and Stacey and then I'd love to do it for everyone that has been so supportive of me at home because you are quite selfish when you're um an athlete and you have to make a lot of selfish decisions around recovery and and just spending time on your on your own on on rugby I guess um so yeah that's definitely something that like is on the on the radar on the radar and on my mind so hopefully that's that would be um, a big, big box for me if I could just, if we could achieve that as a team.
0: What about 15s then? Because you're Irish cat now, you've played in the Six Nations. Is there anything there that you would like to? Or are you singularly focused at the moment on Paris 2024?
1: Um, I obviously would love to, like I, I feel like I'm at a stage with my 15s career where I still have a lot to learn about the game. So my goals, my own personal goals around the game are very much around learning. Um, kind of finding a position and learning that position and le- and becoming kind of tactically aware on the 15s game and um, to a point where I can really offer something to um, an Irish jersey and I think that's like I, I guess my goals haven't got to kind of reach much higher than that because I feel like I've got so much work to do on a personal level and um, but that was massive um, and it was such a class experience getting to play in the six nations and playing at home twice like that's the same amount of times as I've played sevens at home so there's some people who have seen me play 15s more than they've seen me play sevens wow. um which is which is amazing but yeah that's that was a massive um a massive moment for me and for my family and to get to do with so many girls that either I'm playing seven at the moment or who I'd actually played sevens with previously as well um and make new friends as well that was it was really nice
0: for those that are feeling sorry for Lucy now that she's only played in Ireland a couple of times, like she's very well travelled as a result of the seventh career as well. So she has that as a bonus. But we're going to move on to a quick fire question now to finish. First one is Perfect. proudest achievement to date.
1: Um, For me, I think I could say the silver medal in Seville, but for me it is um to be captain of an Irish squad, I never dreamt of it as a kid i never thought it was something that i was allowed to dream of that would ever happen for me and um, that yeah i i definitely think it's something that even when the sport is finished and when i when i've stopped i think i'll appreciate even more but it's probably something that i'm most proud of
0: unreal favorite athlete of all time
1: um is it big cringy if or cheesy if i say Emily murphy Crow because she is <laughs> She's my uh she's my favorite athlete all day, every day. <laughs>
0: That's why you set up so many tries for her, obviously. She won't complain if you keep doing she that. She does it all on her own. <laughs> yeah. Um what books have you been reading out of interest now that you're getting into the reading?
1: Oh, you wouldn't find it very interesting. Um there are a lot of chick flicky. uh just Help me switch off. Who's um, to say
0: Beth... I wouldn't find that interesting?
1: <laughs> Beth O'Leary and all um so, yeah, I, I kind of tend to keep, I listen to a lot of podcasts and audiobooks and that's where I try and um, listen about mindset or sleep or recovery. But then, um yeah, when I want to switch off at bedtime, it's just a lot of chick flicks and love stories. <laughs> nice.
0: You're separating both parts of your life then, obviously, um, in order yeah. to switch off, which is extremely important for you at the moment. Second last question, what's the biggest thing you've learned in the last 12 months?
1: Um. For me, I guess probably there's two different I think in my own um yeah, probably two things. I think uh firstly is that like the importance of being a good person and being happy with you and standing over what who you are as a person, knowing who you are and being able to stand over it and how the knock-on effects that that has on your entire life, um, whether it be in sport or um, anywhere else like everything has not such a big knock-on effect which I feel like sometimes you can be quite happy with how one element's going in your life and then the others you can be quite lazy with or something whereas I, I find now that if you're if you know who you are and you're a good person then that means that like your your entire life um, or every every area of your life should be kind of well looked after and you can stand over and be proud of and um, and then a second thing would be to allow yourself to kind of dream big and that not feel bad about dreaming big and um yeah kind of whatever you set your mind on I think and whatever you allow yourself to believe um can actually come true so um that's probably something that I wouldn't have done previously
0: so what would you tell your 18 year old self then
1: um I was a very different person when I was 18 years old um I will just say enjoy, um, enjoy life, enjoy every moment um, and I think to always be able to appreciate good people around you um, because that's definitely been the reason why I've been able to have the career in sport that I have um, between my family, my friends, my teammates, that's definitely I think just appreciating people who are around you.
0: Unreal, that's awesome. Thanks a million, Lucy, and best of luck in the World Cup and best of luck with the rest of PrEP. I'm sure it's going to come together as we spoke about for you ladies and we're all wishing and we're all behind you and hoping that it does. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you, Peter.